the eight major branches are bhakti yoga hatha yoga jnana yoga karma yoga kriya yoga laya yoga mantra yoga and raja yoga heartfulness meditation a simplified and modified form of raja yoga tries to incorporate the highest essentials from all other forms of yoga it adopts a holistic approach providing practicable yogic method designed for the average man average human beings with this let me go to the second speaker of the session i like to read a tamil thirukural ookamudamai is the adhigaram the first kural of the ookamudamai udayar enapaduvathu ookam agdillar udayadu udayaro matru idoda porul ookam udayavare udayavar enapaduvar ஊக்கம் இல்லாதவர் வேறு எதை உடையவராக இருந்தாலும் அவர் உடையவராக ஆக மாட்டார் திஸ் இஸ் எக்ஸாக்ட்லி மேட்சிங் தி ப்ரொஃபைல் ஆஃப் தி ஆர் த ட்ரைட் ஆஃப் தி நெக்ஸ்ட் ஸ்பீக்கர் ஊஸ் மிஸ்டர் எஸ் பிரகாஷ் ஹி வில் பி டெலிவரிங் அ டாக் ஆன் அஷ்டாங்க யோகா ஆஸ் அ வே ஆஃப் லைஃப் அண்ட் இட்ஸ் மை ப்ளஷர் to introduce mr s prakash to all of you mr s prakash is a zonal coordinator for chennai metro zone heartfulness institute of sri ramchandra mission it comprises of chennai tiruvallur and kanjivaram districts he is an avid meditator and practices heartfulness meditation since 1992 he spends lots of time in propagating the benefits of heartfulness meditation and is a secretary to the global teacher come guide Rivet Daji Mr S Prakash is a nationally acclaimed coach for business leaders CEOs and entrepreneurs His revolutionary work well known as Glorious India speaks a lot of his visionary acumen He has authored several books and self help audio compendium more than 3 2 decades His recent books Future Proof Your Business Life Skills 101 these two are of his latest works which have found their way to the best sellers list his blogs and tweets are very popular and insightful he is currently the ceo of c change consulting and is known in the digital world as computer prakash may I request mr prakash to kindly deliver his session Thank you, Brother Anand. Pranams to beloved Master, dear sisters and brothers. Right from my childhood days, I love reading mythology a lot. Many Indians do. And out of the several stories that I have read, the conquest of Yudhishthir, also known as Dharmar, is something that i would like to start with and then see if i can connect that to the topic that i have taken up ashtanga yoga as a way of life 
while Yudhishthir ascended to his throne, as was the practice those days, he wanted to conquer the entire world and bring it under one roof or under his kingdom. As was known during those days, the kings had to go through a process called as Ashwamedha Yagam. And uh, this process took about a year's time. What actually it means is that the king allows the horse which represents the kingdom to go all over the place. And a few people actually go along, maybe a small army. And wherever this horse goes, and where no one objects to the passing through of the horse to the kingdom, it automatically comes under the king who has sent the horse. After a period of one year, the horse comes back to the place where it started. If there are no wars in between, all that territory that the horse covered comes under the king. And now he is crowned the Chakravarti after the conduct of the Yagna. Ashwa means horse, Medha means sacrifice. At the end of the first year, when the travel is complete, when the Yagna is done, the horse is given as a sacrifice. What has this got to do with Ashtanga Yoga? Is a question that might automatically come to our head. Typically, when the horse goes around, it goes in eight different directions, or rather the all known directions, and at the end of which, if it is left unchallenged, the territory that it has crossed comes into the kingdom of the king who had sent the horse out. The eight directions here is also in some way connected to the eight steps of the Ashtanga Yoga. The horse here, there is another word equivalent in Sanskrit, which also means the sun which rises. And in those days, sun was considered to rise out of the sea or the water that was engulfing the earth. And every day it's supposed to rise, go back, rise, go back, rise, go back. In a spiritual sense, this sun is also considered as the inner flame that we all have inside of us. Let's now look at what it means and how this Ashtanga Yoga and the Ashwamedha Yaga that we are speaking about connects. The way in which the king conquers the eight directions. As part of Ashtanga Yoga, there are, in my view, not necessarily eight sequential steps, but eight choices that we are given. Once we are born as a human being, 
it is but natural that we would like to lead a life of comfort lead a life of peace lead a life of joy lead a life of happiness lead a life of contentment we may have just one choice or we may have multiple choices these choices become our objectives or goals for existence if you are clear in these objectives the role of the ashtanga yoga or the principles which came together and put together by the great sage patanjali helps us to conquer one after another if we set the goal as the highest we look at the eighth step depending upon where our goal is there are several steps that we can take they can be alone or they can be in tandem or all eight can be taken up together as well this is in my understanding what ashtanga yoga represents people normally see it as a way of well being they see it as a way of mastering yourself all these all these things are true there are absolutely no doubts but me but let me look at it from a different point of view point of perspective altogether there are eight sequential steps for the sake of understanding that we all need to see starting from the yama niyama right up to the last step called as the samadhi if you look at yama as brother anand mentioned in his initial introduction when the session started he mentioned that the purpose of yoga is union the union is to happen when we are separated from what we want to be united with that is the only time when there needs to be union if you are already together you don't need an union for the realized soul the union has already happened let's look at the first step in my view patanjali mahamuni has beautifully taken us through various steps and processes and based on the choice of the goal that we want to make he gives us various tools and techniques to ensure that we become one or conquer as the chakravarti would do for that particular goal that we take up let's look at a very simple worldly existence in this world for us to be successful it's quite natural that we need to be in unison in terms of how we resonate with the rest of the world if there are people watching this program they need to resonate with what i am saying otherwise there is no purpose in what i am sharing yama tells us through the words of patanjali through a process of five steps that he shares as part of yama how do we resonate with the external world yama simply put are nothing but a set of five steps that allows us to live peacefully with the external world 
he beautifully starts with the first step though we can also do it later there are no compulsions as far as my understanding goes that you have to start only the first go to the second go to the third unlike our schooling system it's not necessary you have to be in the first standard to go to the second to the third and then to the eighth you have a choice to make you can decide what your goal is and you can decide which of these eight steps one or more or all eight of them would help you to attain oneness with each one of these objectives and hence i gain mastery over it and i become a chakravarti or a master of that aspect if you look at the yama he gives only five tenets what he calls as the social mode of conduct he propagates five points through which we can be in union with the world where people around us would be happy to move with us and be happy in our presence he speaks about ahimsa which is non violence satya or being truthful asteya or not stealing not stealing doesn't necessarily mean material beings alone it can be knowledge it can be spiritual wealth like how wali did to whoever came across him in ramayana he could take 50% of the other person's uh, gains brahmacharya so that the world is at peace with you and they are very clear that this person is trustworthy i can leave my family and go because today in the world of technology we can be in touch with the family in split second but those days when a family a person had to set out to the world he had to leave his family behind and when everyone participates in this concept of practicing brahmacharya he knows for sure that his spouse or his family members are safe in the hands of those whom he leaves behind and for that first he needs to practice that value and the sixth point fifth point what he says is aparigraha or not coveting the property or the wealth of others if you are able to do these five patanjali says that we buy peace with the world he is quite smart that he starts with the first step though i mentioned that there is no reason for us to start with step 1 in step 1 having now bought peace with the world and peace resonating back to us that we are safe they are safe we can peacefully coexist in this world he now turns the attention towards the inside he now says having established resonance peace with the external world look at niyama or nothing but five steps that he gives for personal mode of conduct how do you buy peace with yourself you have not bought peace with the external world which is your behavior aspect how do i buy peace with myself you need to build your attitude so that my attitude which is inside and the behavior which is outside are matching and i don't come through as a fake i don't act something and i don't be something else which means you walk the talk he speak about five points some of you would have heard announcements in the flight about no more visits to saucharya very pure hindi he speaks about the first point which is saucharya or cleanliness when people it's it's just not about physical cleanliness it's also about mental emotional and spiritual cleanliness 
he speaks about santosha being contented what with what we have this resonates with non coveting which is outside i don't need to covet something if i am contented with what i have if i am happy with 100 rupees i have if i see a 1000 rupee note on the floor i don't need to covet i would look to find from whom who lost it and then would look at returning it then he looks at tapas he slowly now turns the concept inside he starts asking you to look at inside of yourself the fourth point he talks about swadhyaya or study of the scriptures so that i am in alignment with the values that my scriptures have told me to so my attitude is built around the scriptures where the vedic scholars and the elders have come together and propagated a set of values that i am supposed to follow and then he looks at he beautifully connects the fifth point again with the last point and he gives in between he speaks about ishwara pranidana or surrender to god as the fifth step in niyama though he doesn't spell out how to surrender here but he creates that awareness that yes by surrendering to a higher force you start looking within and then what is within if it is godliness what is outside of yourself you start seeing godliness also and then it's easy for you to live in this world without having to fight for space or money or the universe has everything for everyone the challenge comes when we start taking more than what we need after having crossed the two goals oneness with the world oneness with myself he then moves on to the worldly existence of the human beings while living if my body comes in the way of my living peacefully i might get deviated from the goal of my existence and hence he brings the third point of the ashtanga yoga which of course you can straight away start here too there are people as our uh, theme of uh, sister aishwarya soundarya and uh, brother ankit they had demonstrated the asanas give you a way in which you can buy peace with your body while you live in this world it is the wish of every human being that i would love to meet my maker without much of bodily worries from the time i am here till the time i exit ideal and this is what he provided in a time when external support system of doctors and medicines were minimal not that they were non existent they were minimal hence a lot of self tutored inputs were given through the process of asanas he beautifully coined one single word which i picked up from the book stiram sukham asanam anything that keeps your body stable and keeps you happy is the asana that you need that which allows your organs to function steadily that which allows you to age gracefully and that which allows you to remain stable when you stand we all know that when we have elderly people at home my guru always used to say the challenge is not in the mind the challenge is in the body my mind is going fast but my body is not and hence i fall not only for himself for many of us it happens the same visit to the bathroom when we are young was quite easy as you cross 50 60 70 every trip becomes a challenge because we are traveling fast in our mind but our body is not helping us and hence asanas as you age helps you 
to keep your inside organs and your external self. If I might take a minute to explain, asanas are the only one which are scientifically proven to allow the tissues, the bones and the flesh to age together. Which means, in a normal self, when you are not practicing asanas, the chances are that your bones and your muscles and your tissues might age differently. Which means, that if your bones are able to take it and you walk fast, your muscles might not and hence you will find that your body pulls back. Asanas are the only one which are scientifically proven to allow these three to age together which means my age of the bone, the age of my flesh, the age of my muscles are the same at any point of my time in my life. Which means that I know the speed at which I walk my body will take me. And while I walk I know how to be stable because I practice few of the asanas consistently. And some of these asanas help me to allow my internal organs to remain at its peak efficiency. Whether it's your kidney or your lungs or your heart, they allow it to age efficiently. It's not that they don't age, they age efficiently so that your body and your mind, everything goes together. Then he takes it to the next level. He speaks about pranayam. I don't want to go too deep into the techniques of pranayam, but I want to share one thing that I learned with my global uh, teacher. The, Mr. Nataraj, who is sitting here, has uh, met him a few times, Chariji Maharaj. I have met him too in the cottage. He mentioned once beautifully, he explained the purpose of pranayama. He mentioned that while we are born, our age is already fixed. But he gave a beautiful counter rider to that. He mentioned that the age is not fixed by number of years, but your age is fixed by the number of breaths that you can take. It's a beautiful, uh, I would say, uh, paradox to look at. How can my age be determined by the number of breaths? As I am speaking now, I am very certain that the rate at which I am breathing is anywhere between 22 to 26 times a minute. Many of you who are sitting here, if you are watching intently, you may be if going faster. He mentioned that the ideal speed at which one should breathe to live approximately to about 110 to 120 years is to have between 12 to 14 breaths per minute, which means this is one cycle, like that you mentioned about 12 cycles to 14 cycles a minute is what will allow you to age properly. Which means if you are given with a set of breaths at the time of birth, it's like withdrawing your bank balance. Instead of drawing 100 rupees, if I do 500 rupees, my account will run out of balance very quickly. If I am smart, I will draw lesser and know how to live and that's where the yama and yama comes in. He mentioned beautifully that when you go to the seventh step, Prakash, why do we go to seventh step instead of propagating too much about pranayama? Because scientists across the globe have done experiments to prove that when you sit and meditate, when you go to delta level and even beyond, when you are in touch with the superconsciousness, they have measured that there are times then when, when actually you are almost breathless. It's not that you are dead, but you have learned to hold your breath for so long that in a minute when you meditate, scientifically it is proven that you 
actually breathe about four to six cycles a minute. This is why Swami Vivekananda beautifully mentioned the power of meditation is such that when you meditate for one hour, you get a body replenishment equivalent to five hours of solid, deep level delta sleep. So actually means, even practically speaking, if you are working in software line or other areas where you have late office hours, you are unable to sleep beyond four to five hours, one hour of meditation actually gives you a total package of about eight to ten hours a day. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, in Tamil they say one stone, two mangoes. I also meditate, I go towards the absolute. I also take care of my health parallelly. Simply put, pranayam is what, that's all I wanted to talk about. The fifth step he speaks about is when he speaks about pratyahara. Having now mastered the external world through a set of behaviors through yama, the five steps, and then building up my attitude through niyama, matching my behavior and the attitude, and learning how to hold myself to the external world and walk the talk internally so that my internal and external matches, and then moving to the asanas, knowing how to buy peace with my body and being in union with my body so that my body listens to what I say till I exit this world comfortably. And then making use of my pranayama. Pranayama, the objective is to enhance the quality of a life by using the prana which is available free to us all the time. You don't need to pay. All you have to do is slow down your breathing. It's pretty simple. Just slow down your breathing. Whenever you are rushed, when you are walking fast, when you are tensed, when you are stressed, just chill, relax, slow down. You'll find that your life automatically extends. So you buy peace with yourself. Prana. Pratyahara. Now he slowly makes you to go towards inside of yourself. The fifth point in Niyama where he says surrender to God, he starts telling you go inside. How do you go inside? Pratyahara. Withdraw yourself. Withdraw yourself. After all, at some point of time in our life, whether we are 50, 60, 70, 80, at some point of time, two days back I was exchanging mail with a former chairman of a very big group of companies and uh, I thought of striking a business deal with him. I sent him a mail. He said, Prakash, I'm impressed with your services, but I wanted to tell you that I'm at the fag end of my life. The only goal I have is to spend time peacefully with myself and with my family. Period. Had he understood this when he was 20, maybe his quality of life could have been better. This is what I think uh, Patanjali Mahamuni beautifully says, you can withdraw inside of yourself without having to wait till you become 60, 70 or 80. Pratyahara. It allows you to transcend your sensory senses, which predominantly are starting with your two eyes. And hence he says, when you are looking at Pratyahara, just close your eyes, Still your mind, that's all. Just still your mind, close your eyes. He still doesn't move to meditation or any of those stuff there. There are several slokas and there are several interpretations, several teachers will put several theories. I am looking at a package which suits today's modern way of living. After all, the topic given is Ashtanga Yoga and way of life. Just withdraw your senses to inside of yourself. And then he introduces the next step which is nothing but Dharana. All those who are part of the corporate life, periodically will be put through training programs. And one of the things that the highly paid trainer will come and tell you, the coach, consultant, I am one of them, 
They'll say, contemplate, close your eyes, look inside of yourself. This is what someone said 5,000 years ago, free of cost. How to look within yourself to find what is happening. Just contemplate, withdraw, look within yourself. Dharana is nothing but a way of looking and observing yourself. The self that is you and the self which is already present inside. The sun that I mentioned in the beginning, the inner sun which is already prevalent and the outer sun which is me, the fire having to come together and the sea which is in between which is what I have to cross to allow these two fires to merge through which the light which I am, the Atman and the light which is he, the Paramatman mixes together to become one. And that is where he takes us to the next step which is nothing but meditation. There are several ways in which people are taught to meditate. All roads may or might lead to Rome. Our way is to find the fastest one which would allow us to go. As part of meditation, though it's not explicitly propounded by Patanjali, one thing that I have understood is that a meditation process without the support of a guru who has attained the highest is of no consequence. How much ever I read about meditation, how much ever I practice meditation on my own, it could be like a dog which just goes in circle without having to know where the owner is. It will be running in circles, but it still has to go towards the owner. Meditation is nothing but the process through which I learn to go towards my maker by crossing the sea which is between my fire and the fire that is the source. In Heartfulness Meditation, we teach you through the process of yogic transmission how this process can be done easily where the Guru acts as the boat and takes you from this side of the fire which is you, takes you safely, takes you to the other side. In this process, whatever hurdles come, whatever challenges you face, since he has already seen it, if you are going to Mount Everest, you would prefer to take a Sherpa or a guide who has already been there. In 1945 or 1954, when Mount Everest was first climbed, technically speaking, the first person who set the foot there was actually Tenzing Norgay. He was the guide who take, took Hillary to the mountain. Of course, Hillary took the photos and he became famous. Because Tenzing Norgay knew how to go. He knew how to climb from the treacherous base camp to the vertical slopes and then take you to the Mount Everest without having to fall. This is what the Guru knows best. All of us know the importance of a Guru. For each and every walk of life, we are dependent on a Guru. You call them a teacher, you call them a friend, you call them an assistant, you call them a guide, you call them by whatever name, they are your Gurus. And meditation is the process through which you are able to experience that condition which allows you to move the smaller self to the higher self and at some point of time you understand what it is and you are able to remain in that state forever. Now we have found seven steps of Ashtanga Yoga and each of the steps can technically remain in silos and can help you. Nowhere Patanjali Mahamuni has openly said you have to practice all steps. I mean if you, open, if you had opened TV channels between 20th of June and 22nd of June, all the channels would have played International Yoga Day programs and the only two predominant aspects they would have demonstrated would have been 
asanas and pranayama absolutely no problem with that but if that is your goal that's what you pick up it depends on what your goals are are my goals buying peace with the world buying peace with myself buying peace with my body buying peace with my breath buying peace by my ability to withdraw myself my peace by ability to withdraw and start looking concentrating inside by peace by meditating and then attaining the final goal then you have all the eight steps available so if you are looking at a way of life it's like a wheel that is presented to you do i want to look at all the eight directions cover them up and then come to the center through which now i know that i have taken all the eight directions i know what these eight directions are i know through the help of a guru or a capable guide that i have mastered all this and hence by sitting in the center of that axis which looks at all the eight steps i have mastered all the eight steps and hence i have moved to the final state known as samadhi though there are several definitions of samadhi i would rather prefer to stick to the definition that my global guide our global guide kamlesh patel ji fondly known as daji had given he very clearly said samadhi is nothing but a word that comes from sanskrit which consists of sam and adi the condition sam here means sama together or the state which prevailed at the time of adi or at the time of creation what prevailed at the time of creation absolute balance the atma and the paramatma jivatma were all together till we got separated scientists would call it as big bang theory they say that universe is still expanding they say that still we are a young universe it's still expanding yet we have a choice that we can still go devolve and go back to the source being where we are scientists also talk about the final big bang which is the reverse where it goes back to the source we call it as the mahapralaya our gurus have very clearly said that you don't need to wait for mahapralaya to go back and be united with the source from where you came look for a individual pralaya which is nothing but samadhi and this is what we experience in every process of meditation when we sit and meditate what do we do we go back to the source of the condition that prevailed at the time of creation and be together with our creator this half an hour that you do daily that meditation heartfulness meditation through the process of support of pranahuti which we are going to experience uh, towards the end one of our trainers would uh, walk you through that we understand how to integrate and go back to the source yet in my view if you look at it as a way of life patanjali mahamuni has given you eight steps for you like a buffet menu to choose from they want to go the whole hog start from the soup go to the dessert it's your choice you just want to have curd rice get out your choice you just want to have the soup and get out your choice you want to have the full hog that's your choice it depends on your goals which means you also have to set your goal which needs to be the best that is available to you hence just to summarize ashtanga yoga as a way of life is simply put the inputs that are available to us from the old vedic time traditions available here no need to import we have been exporting that to worldwide already available allows you to live together as a peaceful family with the globe peaceful family inside my house peaceful within myself be able to get whatever i need yet not get carried away maintain my balance maintain the balance with my body maintain the balance with my breath maintain the balance with my creator and hence when i exit facing the so called death becomes easy in a way 
Ashtanga Yoga as a way of life is something that prepares you from your baby steps, from the time you're born till the last steps somebody else, the four of them, take on your behalf. And hence, I would urge that every practitioner of yoga or those who are still looking at practicing yoga, make your choice. Pick which step that you want to practice, one or eight or six or seven, based on the goals that you have. And there is a solution that is readily available and that's free of cost. And I don't think in this world getting something free is not going to be easy. So let's make a sensible choice to choose what is given to us all the time by nature and go towards our creative 